I invite you to take out your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2 as we begin this morning. Ephesians chapter 2. And if you are able, I would invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and we will read through verse 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace You have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we might see and understand what you have spoken, that we might hear, that we might comprehend, and that the truth of your salvation would sink into our hearts. We do not ask this because we have any merit of our own but because we know that you are a gracious, saving God. We pray that as we read and as we meditate upon your word this morning, that you would bring life where there is none, that you would give strength where we are weak, and that you would direct us in your truth, that we might walk in it, and that you might receive the praise Do your name. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. This Wednesday marks the 501st anniversary of the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther nailing his 95 theses to the door in Wittenberg, marking the initiation of the Reformation. Last year for the 500th anniversary, we spent five weeks looking at the five solas of the Reformation in Scripture alone, through Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, to the glory of God alone. 
We looked at each one of those, the five battle cries of the Reformation. And this year, we want to return again to what may be the heart of all five of those, sola fide, faith alone, faith alone. I want to spend our time this morning looking mostly what the Reformers taught through the Scripture, but as we look at those, they're more clearly perceived when we see them in the backdrop of the Roman Catholic Church. If we look at the biblical teaching in contrast to the Roman Catholic Church, we see more clearly what is taught by the Scripture. And so I want to begin our time this morning by looking at what the Roman Catholic understanding of justification by faith is. The Roman Catholic understanding of justification. Now I want to acknowledge before I say anything that I believe what my explanation is is valid as, as, far, as far as it goes, but it is abbreviated and no doubt Though it's true as far as it goes, I'm sure any Catholic who were in attendance would say, but I want to add this and this and this and this. Fair enough, but that's not what I'm teaching this morning. (laughs) I'm abbreviating it, I think fairly, uh, but I want to acknowledge I'm sure Catholics would want to add more to this. Let's look uh, first at what they would say regarding Faith. How does faith fit into the Catholic teaching? Now, it's easy to make a caricature of Catholicism and say they believe in salvation by works, which I think is close, but not quite true. They would not say that salvation is not by faith. They would say salvation is by faith, but it's not by faith alone. Faith, then, is necessary for justification, but it is not sufficient. So the Catholic teaching is that faith is necessary. It's needed. You have to have it for justification, but it's not sufficient. It's not enough. They do believe in justification by faith. They do not believe in justification by faith alone. Yes, you have to have faith, but it's not enough. You have to have faith, but you also have to have baptism. You also have to have confession and penance, etc. So they believe that faith is essential. It's necessary. They do not throw faith out, but it's one of several necessary components to justification. Second, in understanding how faith justifies or saves Catholicism says, through faith, Christ's righteousness is infused in you as you work. We'll see the contrast to what Protestants believe. But what they believe is that Christ's righteousness is taken and it's infused into who you are. And as you become like Christ, you are justified. When you believe, God takes 
the righteousness of Christ and he imparts it to you and to the degree to which it is imparted, you are justified. Three implications of that teaching. One, you're going to be justified over a long period of time and not at a moment in time. Two, certain sins, which they call mortal sins, are so bad that the impartation of Christ's righteousness is gone and you're no longer justified. You can lose your justification altogether and they have a whole set of rules about how you can regain your justification after you've lost it. Three, because almost no one has Christ's righteousness perfectly imparted, when we die, there's something missing. We go to purgatory to finish. Three implications of their understanding of of justification. Now, we're not going to dwell on that. We could. I don't think it's particularly beneficial. Third, justification is through faith plus the works it produces. Justification is through faith plus the works that it produces. What is the grounds of your justification? It is the righteousness of Christ imparted to you. You are saved or justified because you believe and have the work of Christ in your life. And to the degree that his righteousness has been manifested in your life, you will be saved. You will be justified. So justification is through faith. You can't do any of that stuff apart from faith. Faith is essential. But your justification is through faith and the works that it produces in your life. Now, I want to use that understanding as a backdrop to what the Reformers taught and what the Scripture teaches regarding justification. This teaching that I've just explained is what we are protesting. We are Protestants. This is what we protest against. What I have just explained to you, I believe, is demonic. It is a human understanding of justification, and it will send you to hell. We'll look now at what the Scripture teaches us. The Reformers' understanding of justification. Now, in many ways, the battle cry of the Reformation is sola fide, faith alone. That's the biblical answer. Faith alone. We say that. We love that. Faith alone. Faith alone. We even have a song, faith alone. Faith and faith alone. That's a great answer. But what is the question? What is the question? Sometimes when we're familiar with the subject, we might know the right answer, but not know the question to which it attaches. Teachers get this often with students. Sometimes you know there's an answer bouncing around in your head. It's got to be faith alone, but I don't know what it goes to. I don't know what the answer is. We love to proclaim faith alone, faith alone. But if we give faith alone as the answer to the wrong question, then our answer's wrong. Faith alone is not the answer to every question. Just like Sunday school teachers 
Jesus isn't the right question to every, answer to every question. The Sunday school teacher explaining the, 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 the garden and what's happening in the garden. And, and she sees little Billy daydreaming and off in his own world. Says, Billy, what's the answer? Well, what she had just asked was, who is that serpent? She had explained how the serpent is Satan. The serpent is the devil, that great serpent of old, the dragon. And Billy says, Jesus! If you get the right answer to the wrong question, you get the wrong answer. So sola fide is the right answer. But what's the question? The question is, what must I do to be saved? How can I be saved and justified? And the answer is, you can only be justified through faith. Faith alone. Faith alone. The answer is not, how can I be saved? You can be saved by faith plus works. No, faith alone. That's the answer. How can I be justified is the question. The Catholics say that faith is necessary, but not sufficient. The Reformers say, this is A, justification is through faith alone. Faith is sufficient. It's enough. You don't need faith plus your works. Faith And faith alone is sufficient to justify the sinner. And here's why. B, through faith, Christ's righteousness is imputed to you. And you are justified. The reason that faith is sufficient is because through faith, Christ's righteousness is imputed to you. Now, the Catholic said, Christ's righteousness is infused in you. You become like him. And we, we would agree that, yes, you become like Christ if you are a Christian. We'll get to that later. But that is not how you're justified. How are you justified? It is through imputation. Now, when I say imputed, what I mean is that Christ's righteousness, his goodness, his obedience, his fulfillment of the law, all the righteousness that he did is credited to your account. It's credited to your account. That's what it means to have something imputed to you. You are given credit for something that's not your own. And we as Protestants believe not only an imputation, but double imputation. That is, if you have a bank account that you've overspent, you've overdrawn your account so that you look in your your bank account before you go to bed, and in it is negative $10 million. Just a little overspending. (laughs) Problem. You've got a problem. That's bad. That's bad. (laughs) You have negative $10 million in your account. In Christ's account is an infinite, limitless credit. Billions, trillions of dollars. 
Now, what happens in salvation is that there's, it's not just one or the other, but both. Christ on the cross paid your $10 million debt. He suffered the penalty of what you have done, and we receive the benefit. We receive the blessing, the reward of his righteousness. So, through faith, Christ's righteousness is imputed to you. You're credited instantly with the credit of his righteousness. That's why faith saves you. That's why faith alone saves you. What does faith do? It's not faith itself, which is wonderful and great. Sometimes we get this confused. I always, uh, I, I hear Disney I don't know if they, do they still do this? I don't know. But they, they used to have this, do you believe in magic? You know that little ditty they'd have before there, do you believe in magic? And that, that was, oh yeah, believe, I believe in magic. Oh, this is great. Isn't everything wonderful? <clears throat> what, what do they mean, do you believe in magic? Whatever they mean by believe, they mean something completely different than what we mean when we say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or, or what Paul means when he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We're, we're t- different worlds. We are not talking about the same thing. But we think, you even hear people say, we just need to believe. You need to believe in love. You need, what, is, what does that mean? No, it, it's nonsense. What, what is beneficial about faith? Faith itself is nothing. Okay? I, uh, how, it, it, why is faith beneficial? It's only beneficial because of what it connects to. Okay? It's like a power cord. You have a power cord, an extension cord, one of those big outdoor ones you wind up. It's 100 feet long. And you've got this power cord. It's faith. And you say, this is fantastic. Everyone, you need faith. Here's your power cord. And so we go on this big kick, and we're going to hand out power cords to everyone. It's fantastic. Everyone's got their own power cord. You've got faith. I've got faith. This is great. So everyone thinks, hey, we're safe. We're good. I've got faith. You've got faith. I've got faith. This is great. Does that do any good to anyone after the hurricanes have wiped out the electricity? What good is a power cord? Nothing unless it's plugged into a power source. So the reason that faith saves us is not because power cords save. Woohoo! The reason that that power cord saves you is because it's plugged into a power source. Now, when you put whatever your lights or your pump or whatever it is that you need, when you plug it into that, now through faith, you have the power of Christ's righteousness. So the reason that we're saved by faith is because through it, it's a conduit, through faith, Christ's righteousness is brought to us. That's how we're saved. That's how we're saved. That's why faith saves us. Not because faith itself is so powerful and wonderful. What is faith? It's a conduit. It's just the means, the instrument by which you receive it. It itself is nothing. So believing, as James says, oh good, you believe that God is one. That's great. So do the demons. You think they're going to be saved by it? Oh, of course not. The demons aren't going to be saved. They know God's one because God destroys them and 
fights against them all the time. Believing that's worthless. It's what you believe in. It's what you have faith in that saves. Now, let's look at what the Scripture says. And I want to look at these three passages. We're going to come back to them. First, Romans chapter 3. And I am just going to parachute into each of these for the sake of time. Romans 3 beginning in 27. Romans chapter 3, verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Now, why does he say that? Why doesn't he just say, we hold that one is justified by faith? Why doesn't he just leave it like that? Because if we say that we are justified by faith, what will the Jew say? Of course we're saved by faith. What will the Catholic say? Of course we're saved by faith and by works. And by the fulfillment of the law. So that when we believe God and obey him, God looks down and sees our obedience and says, good, good work, you're justified. And Paul says, no, we hold that justification. One is justified by faith apart from the works. Apart from the works. Why? Why? Now we're going to explain, I will get to, we work. We better work. Working is important. But what happens if I have faith and I work, and I think by my works I am justified? Who gets the credit? Who gets the glory if I work to be saved? I do. I share in that. And Paul says, no, God does not share in that way. God shares like the sun shares its light with the moon. He does not give his glory to another. We partake of it, but we do not add to it. We can't take from it. The, sun, the moon does not contribute to the glory of the sun. We don't contribute to the glory of God. So God says, I'll have none of that. I will not share in that way. I will get all of the glory. I will get it. So what does that leave for us? What becomes of our boasting? Verse 27. What happens to our boasting? It is excluded. None of us in this room who knows the Lord Jesus Christ has a single thing in which to boast of in our salvation, in our justification. Why? It's excluded because we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Which means before you even had a chance to obey, you had already been justified through faith in Christ. Why? Because through faith, Christ's righteousness is given to you. Then on what grounds are you justified? On the grounds of your good works that came later? No, but on the grounds of Christ's Righteousness. Uh, Turn over to Galatians, a couple pages to Galatians, chapter 5. 
This is not unique. Galatians chapter 5. Now Paul will say the, he will deny the uh, opposite of this. He says positively, we're justified by faith apart from the works. And just in case there's confusion, if you try to add works, you're gone. You're toast. You have no hope. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. What? I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. If you accept circumcision or any other good work as the grounds of your justification, you've got to obey the whole law. Look at verse 4. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. Who? Who's severed from Christ? Anyone who is seeking to be justified by the law. If you think that your circumcision or your obedience to the law, your abstaining from food offered to idols, your fulfillment of tithing, your anything, fill in the blank. If you think that's why you're justified, you're cut off from Christ. Severed. You don't know him. You have fallen away from grace. You've fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. If we try to add to our justification by good works, Paul says, you're cut off. Because as soon as you start to obey one law, you think this one law will make me more righteous, you're obligated to obey the whole law. Anyone going to be able to do that? Not a chance, which means you're under the condemnation that you escaped by trusting in Christ. Let me put it this way. Christ's righteousness is given to us through faith. And if you try to add your good works, guess what they cover up? The righteousness of Christ. So you're adding your filthy rags to the pile of Christ's righteousness that's a good way to get cut off from Christ. Don't do it. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. Don't seek your justification in the law. That's pretty clear. How about Ephesians 2? We read to begin our time together. Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, you're blank there. We are not justified by works of the law, but by faith And in case you didn't get Romans 3, we are justified by faith apart from works of the law. Now, Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. What are we saved through? Saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. As long as you leave works as a ground for justification, you have a reason to boast. I contributed something that my, my awful neighbor didn't. I'm better than they are because I got it right and they didn't. And I, I should add, too, at this point, that faith itself is not a good work. 
If faith itself was a good work, you would still have a reason to boast. Hey, I believed. They didn't. I got it right. They didn't. That's an incorrect definition or understanding of what faith is. Again, faith is the cord. Faith is not a power supply. It's the cord that connects to the power supply. So faith itself is not a good work. All right, now, justification then is through faith, not through works. Now, I think this is familiar to us. I'm, may, maybe I said it in a different way, but I don't think I've said anything that you, you've not heard here before many a time. We understand that justification is through, work, through faith and not through works. What do I have to do to be justified? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have faith. It is faith and faith alone which will justify you. Nothing else will. Now, there's a second question that's closely related to this. And if you give the answer, faith alone, you're going to get it wrong. And that is, what kind of faith, what sort of faith, what manner of faith saves? And if you say... Alone faith. Faith alone. Faith which is alone. That's what saves you. You've gotten it wrong. Faith alone, but not lone faith. Faith alone, but not a faith which is alone. Now, let me explain this by going back 1,500 years before the Reformation. Okay? That would be New Testament time. Turn over to James chapter 2. I tell you, you can be saved by faith alone. All that is required of you is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You mean I don't have to obey the law to be saved? No, you could never be saved by obeying the law. Ever. That's not new. That's always been the case. You can be saved by trusting in the Lord Jesus. You mean even though I'm I'm wicked, even though I have thoughts that are corrupt, even though I've done things that I'm ashamed to even speak of, you, you mean I can be saved? Yes, you can be saved. Trust in Christ. Now that's good. Everything I just said is true. But what will the corrupt wicked person respond. Ah, I see a way I can keep my sin and go to heaven. I see a way I can keep living this wicked, evil, corrupt life and still sneak into heaven. How? I can claim I have faith. I can say I have faith and walk away from everything I say I believe. So I'll live just like my friends in the world. There'll be no difference between me and anyone in the world, but I'll say that I believe. Now, you've all met people like that, I think. And James had too. And so James says this in James chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? I don't, I don't want to be too nuanced here, but James doesn't mention here justify. 
He's talking of salvation. You could equate the two, but just keep that in mind. Can that faith save him? And he answers this way. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and warmed and filled, without giving them something, or without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Is that worth anything? You meet someone on the road who doesn't have the, in the middle of winter, you meet someone who doesn't have the clothing they need, they don't have any food, and you say, I'll be warmed and filled. Bye bye. (laughs) Did that do any good? Did it do any good at all? Do we all agree that that was worthless? And James says, that's what your faith is if it doesn't have any works. What good is that? Verse 17, so also faith by itself, that is lone faith, faith which has no works, faith which never does anything, if it does not have works, is dead. It's dead. So James addresses this very question. What kind of faith saves you? Is it an alone faith that saves you? Is it a faith by itself that never produces any fruit, that has no evidence? No, it is not. That kind of faith is a dead faith. That kind of faith is worthless. That kind of faith cannot save you. To go back to the analogy that I gave you earlier, that's like a cord that's cut in half in the middle, and you plug in one end. Is it going to do you any good? No, it's worthless. That, that's dead. It's a broken faith. So justification is through faith alone, but justifying faith, that is the kind of faith that justifies, works. Yes, justification is through faith alone, but justifying faith works. It works. The type of faith that remains by itself, that doesn't produce any works, that bears no fruit, that type of faith is dead and useless. Now, this isn't new. I just read you James, but this is also what the Reformers said. Listen to John Calvin. I wish the reader to understand that as often as we mention faith alone, we are not thinking of dead faith, which worketh not by love. But we are holding faith to be the only cause of justification. So he clarifies, we do not mean any old faith will do. If your faith is dead, that's not going to work. What we're saying is that it's only faith that is the cause of your justification. It's not faith and your works. Don't think you're justified because you have faith and your works help. No, he goes on. It is therefore faith alone which justifies, and yet the faith which justifies is not alone. It's exactly what we're saying. Justification is through faith alone, but justifying faith will always work. If your faith is alone, lone, cut off from everything else, bears no fruit, it's dead. It's useless. 
If your kind of faith is that which said a prayer five years ago and hasn't been seen since, if your faith is the kind of faith that hears God's word week after week and is never changed, if your kind of faith is the faith that stares in the face of God and says, I'll keep my sin, thank you very much, if your kind of faith is the kind of faith that doesn't change who you are, then perhaps your faith is dead and useless. Such faith will not justify. So we can say, B, through faith alone you are justified, but once you are justified, that same faith begins to sanctify. It begins to transform who you are. Through faith alone you are justified, but once you are justified, that same faith begins to sanctify. We sang earlier that we walk by faith. We walk by faith. It's not just that we're born by faith. That's true. We are born by faith, but we walk by faith. We continue in that same faith to be transformed. I don't even like to say it, but what the Catholics say about being infused, that's similar to what we're talking about by sanctification. If your faith doesn't transform who you are, in other words, if I looked at you and, and, and after 20 years of claiming that you're a Christian, you don't look anything more like Jesus Christ than you did 20 years ago, how can I call you a little Christ? How can I call you, a, a, that's what Christian means, a little Christ, a baby Christ. How can I call you a baby Christ if you don't look like your papa? Maybe you're not born of him. Maybe he's not your father. Maybe your faith is dead. All right, so through faith alone you're justified, but once you are justified, that same faith begins to sanctify. Now let's go back to the passages we looked at earlier and see how the Scripture itself actually tells us just what I said. We're not making this up. This isn't some new invention the Reformers came up with. This is actually what Paul himself says in each of those passages. Romans chapter 3 is where we were. In verse 28, we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. He continues the same argument all the way through chapter 4 and look down at chapter 4 verse 11. Speaking of Abraham, who was justified apart from works, who was justified before he obeyed the law, he believed God, he had faith in God, and that was credited to him as righteousness. That very Abraham, look at verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision, he obeyed the law as the grounds for his justification. No, that's not what it says. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. When did he get the righteousness? Before or after he obeyed? He got it before he obeyed. When he obeyed, that was a sign, a seal that he had received the faith. Works then are a seal of what faith secures. Faith alone is what saves you. But the work confirms that you have been saved. 
It's a seal. It's an indication that, yes, Abraham truly did believe because there is such a thing as dead faith. Then back to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. So interesting. On the heels, uh, uh, and I would guess Galatians 5, maybe, maybe Galatians 2, but Galatians 5 is probably the single passage that sparked Martin Luther in his own personal life to understand the gospel. So here we are in Galatians 5, verse 4. You who would be justified by the law, you're severed from Christ. And then verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor circum- uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith. That's not what it says. What does it say? What counts for anything? Only faith working through love. Working to be saved? No. Working through love because you have been saved. That's what counts. This is the passage on which the Reformation is built. And what does he say in it? Hey, just faith, faith alone, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what kind of faith, as long as you have it, we're all happy. No, he says, faith is what matters, and it's the kind of faith that works through love. Not the kind of faith that earns its salvation by working harder than everyone else, but the kind of faith that works out of a love for what the Lord has done, a faith that is transforming, changing who we are. And then Ephesians chapter 2, one of the clearest statements, by grace you have been saved through faith, verse 8, that is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, it is not a result of work so that no one may boast, oh, get rid of boasting, but verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for faith alone. No. What are we created in Christ Jesus for? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As a grounds for our boasting, to give us a reason, to give us something to boast again, in again? No. He gives us good works. God prepared them beforehand for us to walk in them as a seal, as a sign that we have been saved. So faith works through love and we are created in order to do good works. That is why we have been made. That is why God brought us to life. So see, justification is through faith, not through works, but justifying faith will produce works. Justifying faith will produce works. This is a good reminder for us to examine the kind of faith we have. Is our faith like a tree that bears fruit in season, that demonstrates the maker knows us and walks with us, Or is it like a dead tree that has a few old brown leaves attached to it, but it's never brought out any fruit? And I want to say to you that if you are that dead tree, listen carefully. The solution 
is to go back to Jesus Christ. It is not to try to produce more work. If you try to produce work in the flesh, those will be works of the flesh. If you look at your life, if you look at your faith and all you see is dead faith, go back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your trust in Him. Cast down your idols and trust in Him. Plead with Him to have mercy. Don't go out and try to work harder. Faith alone is the answer. And the question is, how can I be justified? We're justified by faith alone, not by faith plus works. We're justified by faith alone, but not by the kind of faith which is alone. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you that you have cast down all of our boasting, that you've removed any attempt at us being the heroes because we could never save ourselves. We praise you that you have been our Savior, that you are the one who has had mercy on us and sent Christ to die on our behalf that we might be saved because of his righteousness. I pray that you would help each of us to put our trust and our hope in what Christ has done, to turn from confidence in the flesh, but to look honestly at whether or not we really have trusted in that, to look carefully and honestly as to whether or not our faith is alive or if perhaps it is a dead and useless faith. Create life where there is none. For your glory and our good, we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.